Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite, Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And as always, we are excited to take all of your questions. If you're not already watching on Facebook, head over to the Buccaneers Facebook page. Leave all of your questions, thoughts, comments, all that underneath our live video. That's how we'll be able to find them. And, you know, we haven't reminded people of this in a while. We like hearing where people watch from. So if you're going to ask a question or leave a comment, say where you're watching the show from. We did that in training, training camp, camp and then we kind of got away from it. Yeah, it was, it was cool to it. hear. So, yeah, leave a, in there where you're watching from. And as we start letting those questions roll in, just uh, starting off, we know There's that some. now uh yeah we're already starting to get some which is awesome but um we're we heard the news that Jameis is going to be the starter for this week so I just want to hear your thoughts on what about that game and his performance uh leads you to believe that this really could be uh, a good decision and, and, yeah. and a turning point for him well the only uh, interception that he threw was was I think completely defensible you you're 23 seconds left no timeouts back in your own 20 taking a shot down the field to Deshaun it, it was worth the try and there was, there was a very low percentage situation period so it was worth the try and I don't think anybody blames him for that one and otherwise um, he protected the ball fairly well I mean I guess we got lucky when he was forced to fumble into the end zone that ended up being a touchdown but that's what it's all about no matter who we've had under under center it's been it, everybody can move the ball on this. I mean, those two guys can both move the ball on this team, but somebody's got to stop turning the ball over because that's the story of the season, plain and simple. And everybody knows it. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The Buccaneers are negative 23 in turnover ratio, which is the worst in the NFL. Right. Um, and when you aren't generating any on offense, on defense, you just can't. You got to match that on offense because you can't put yourself in a hole. But that's what the Bucks have done repeatedly this season put themselves in a hole with the turnover problems and the lack of takeaways and then, you know, have to frantically try to climb out of it. But as for going forward, um, it makes sense to me. Uh, three and seven is not, you're not eliminated from the playoffs, but it would be disingenuous of us to suggest that it's likely. It's a right. really tough path from three and seven to the playoffs. First of all, you got to win out. There's no way. You're, and, and even nine wins may not do it. So. That's true. Um, I already saw we had a question from Toby about if OJ has gotten a second opinion on his ankle yet. Yeah, and I think what he meant, uh, I think when he when Coach used the word second opinion, opinion in his answer yesterday, I think what he meant was further testing and further examinations of the tests right. that, that have been done. Uh, you know, when you hear the word second opinion, it's usually from a guy who got some injury or health news he didn't like and wants to go to another doctor to maybe possibly get a better answer. Uh, so it sort of has a negative connotation to it. What they meant, what he meant was more tests or more examination of him. And uh, no, we don't have that answer yet. As of today is Tuesday at one coach said yesterday that we probably wouldn't have that answer until at least late today or maybe even Wednesday morning. Uh, and then, of course, because of the way the news cycle works here and when he speaks to the press, the first time he would have an opportunity to address that would be after practice on Wednesday. So that's probably when we're going to get our answer. It's obviously a big concern because of all the players who have made a huge step forward this year, I think he's probably the number one guy in his second season. And just you looking like – to see him lose some opportunities to continue <clears throat> that growth. I know that we were trying to think – just starting to think about how we can maybe get this guy some more attention for the Pro Bowl yeah. voting. And so to uh, der derail that or, or to put a little hold on it is unfortunate. But, you know, the injuries have started to pile up for the Buccaneers. So that's that's story number two about this season. The, in the turnovers are the main thing. But the sort of piling up of injuries in recent weeks is, is on top of that made things even more difficult. Right, which our next question is from David asking about Levante <coughs> and Kendall Beckwith and what we know about them. Okay, well, we know Kendall's not coming back this season. Um, and I think that shouldn't come to, as a huge surprise to anybody that's listened to us because we've talked about it. I've tried to make a point of saying even when they activated him and started that 21-day window where he could practice with the team without counting against the roster, that was no guarantee that that meant at the end of that 
that window, he would definitely be activated. They were hoping so. And actually, I think they didn't start that, that three-week window with a really optimistic feeling, but as it went on, it saw a pretty good improvement from him, and by the end of it, it was close. Right. I think they were relatively close, but it just was determined that he's not going to be able to play just yet. So he's when you just when you make that decision, you either have to activate him and use a roster spot on him, which you're not going to do if he's not going to be playing, or he stays on NFI for the rest of the year, and that's what's going to happen. So he uh, he will not play this season. Levante is uh, the answer is going to be similar to OJ in that our first real uh, clue on that will be practice what does he do in practice or not do on Wednesday and then what's his status on the injury report after that okay and uh, Austin watching from Colorado love when people throw there that we in go. there that was quick. we got one from Colorado uh, wants to know what uh, the team is going to do with Quan and is a one-year contract an option pay him his deal just how his injury affects uh, what they might be able to do with his contract yeah well that's the first thing that's going to have to be determined what's what's how, what's the effect of this injury? Um, how long is the recovery and so on? It, it certainly didn't come at a good time for him, regardless of what team he's going to be with us or uh, uh, another team in the future. But I would be surprised by a one-year contract, to be honest with you. I mean, um, you, you presume he's going to eventually recover from this injury and be the same player, and I don't think, I don't think his side would want to do a one-year deal. I, I guess the idea is... It's it's a one year deal while things while things are a little uncertain and then you revisit it again later. I mean, I, I guess uh, the team wouldn't mind doing that, but I don't see why Quan's side would want to do that. Right, which is a very good point. And uh, Nicholas was asking about the chances of our defense uh, being able to give up fewer points, and I feel like this week in particular was interesting. I know we're going to be talking to someone from the 49ers for our crossfire segment, and one of the things we're going to bring up to them is the idea of these two teams and the turnovers and lack of takeaways. So, what are your thoughts on this weekend in particular in terms of the Bucks' ability to cut down on offensive mm. turnovers and the yeah. ability to get a few more. Yeah, takeaways. so they have. You, you, it's a matchup of the two teams that are last in the NFL in turnover ratio. Uh, we're last; they're next. And then the two teams that have the fewest takeaways. We actually have one more than they do, if you can believe that. Um, it seems like it's impossible that we could only have six, and yet they have one fewer. Um, so that still highlights the issue, though. I agree. The chances of of coming out on top and keeping from falling into a hole as the Bucks have done a lot and, and from hopefully as that listener said giving up fewer points is going to come down to not giving them easy scoring situations not giving them a pick six you know one of the scores by the Giants was right. on defense and not giving them short fields which was a problem against Washington so it's still going to be it's still going to be turnovers that's right. that's what it is you know the fact of the matter is the Buccaneers are very banged up on defense especially in the middle which will be a, in particular a problem against their leading receiver uh, George Kittle, the tight end. But, you know, Washington, fewest yards and points we've allowed, and that was with these guys injured. And then this last game, um, obviously it wasn't good, but points-wise, but again, one of those was a pick six. And the yardage total allowed, 359, is is one of the lower ones. So the last couple of weeks, there have been some signs of good defense. Okay. So I don't think you can quite say good defense just yet, but right. it's possible. And then San Fran, not the most dynamic offense. They do run the ball very, very well. They're, they have a young quarterback who's looked promising in Nick Mullins, but he is a guy who started two games. So it, it stacks up as a game that if you can stop the run, 
you might have a chance to have one of your better defensive efforts. Okay, and I saw someone brought up the idea of <coughs> purposefully playing the quarterback's part of the game, of that being your game plan. <laughs> that was my idea. And yeah, and so I wanted to hear the thoughts of somebody actually had the same idea. Yes, uh, <laughs> pro, pros and cons of this idea of you know, and I think a lot of Tampa Bay Rays fans, especially, have been making the right, comparisons exactly. to this idea. Yeah, the Rays, the way they kept doing. What did they call them? They called them openers, I think. Yeah, instead, instead of starters. Instead of starters. Yeah. Yeah, you know the revolution in baseball, and some teams really um, embraced it with. Uh, you know, less traditional starter roles. And, and the game that came to mind to me was uh, game five of the Dodgers-Brewers series in the playoffs uh, when the Dodge, when the Brewers started a guy, I think it was Wade Miley, and let him pitch to one batter and then, as planned, pulled him and put in a pitcher who threw the opposite. So it was either going from righty or lefty or vice versa in order to get the um, – in order to get the Brewers – the Dodgers to um, – uh, start with a certain lineup, right, and then not want to have to immediately right. sub out. It's not the same thing in football, but it, I, I was really just joking. But I thought right. since the second guy that comes in has generally done very well after the first guy had turnover problems, we're talking about Fitzpatrick and Winston, um, why don't we just start one of them, and then before we have to deal with the turnover problems, go to the second guy, like, after one series. Right. And just do that. Start Adam Humphreys, let him throw one pass. Right. He's our emergency quarterback. And then put in Winston or Fitzpatrick see if that works that's pretty funny that um, coach is never going to do that probably not there's a reason teams have not typically done this in the past i guess uh paul said the offensive line has had some struggles this year is there any chance they take a look at alex kappa to yeah. actually get in there i mean there's a chance but um i don't think so probably um you know the guy that's been active since evan smith went on injured reserve the guy that's been active as your extra interior guy is mike lidke so i would think he'd be the next one that would get a look yeah, I know that Coach has talked about that on the radio show several times, that it is so much about the fact that you can only have seven active on game day, and basically one has to be able to play all three interior positions, mm -hmm. and that Alex is still learning the center position more. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about That's right. at guard. It's who can really yeah. do the, the most in terms of being able to move to all the different positions. Yeah, somebody asked him, I think it was last week, early last week, what the contingency plan is because you have one at center, and he listed three. This is Coach Cutter, and the third one was Kappa. Right. But he said that's the, like the distant third. That's the one that has to come the farthest. So I yeah. think that's the answer there. Right. Let me know if we have any Adam Humphreys questions because I got a nice little note to throw out there. Oh, well, then just go ahead and throw it out you there. Make it I up. mean, I, I I don't know. I haven't Bob gotten to scroll through all of them yet. We're behind a little bit on questions as I'm reading <laughs> some of them. But, yeah, sure, go for it. Okay, so I just got this. One of the PR guys had looked this up, and this may surprise you that in the last six or since we came back, in week six from the bye, mm -hmm. in that span of games, Adam Humphreys is 15th in the NFL in receiving yards. Would you have guessed that? Wow. The 15th leading receiver in the NFL. Wow. In that span right there. That's I mean, I know awesome. he's done well. I mean, we've all been talking about how Adam is is really – it's good for him because yeah. he's going to become a free agent. Yeah. And which it's, the timing is fantastic because he's playing fantastic. Fantastic for him. Maybe not great for the Bucks. that all of a sudden now <laughs> they're going to have to step their game up if they want to keep exactly. him. Exactly. Man, good for him. He's, so. like, so sneaky good. I feel right. like, is that, like you said, that you wouldn't think he's – done that well and I almost feel like that's why he's so successful is he's sneaky good even to the defense that they're like wait yeah this guy we've got so much to worry about all these other wide receivers yeah right well and then he does a lot of little things well like remember a few weeks ago when he made that amazing diving like leaping diving catch on a slant in traffic I mean everybody's like was that Adam Humphreys my goodness he's even better than we thought and then in this last game he broke he came back and made a good effort to break up what could have been an interception that's that's something you like to see from your receivers too so he does a lot of the little things right as well Alex from Punta Gorda, Florida, I think I got the right, um, wonders why Ryan Griffin hasn't gotten a chance yet. Well, mainly because 
and I think they're still in this mode. The Buccaneers, in, up, right up through last game, have been trying to win. They're trying to get back in the playoff race. Now, we already said that's unlikely at 3-7, and seven, but that's what they've been trying to do. And you have already had two guys that have demonstrated that they can really produce a lot on this offense. Obviously, the turnovers have been the problem. And my Ryan Griffin would be the unproven option there. So if you're trying to win games, you got two guys that, if they could just clean up the turnover issues – are a lot more proven and experienced, why would you go to your third option? Right. Now, I think that question is going to be asked a lot more going forward, and maybe there's maybe there's a chance for that, but that's why it hasn't happened to this point. Um, I've seen some people bringing up uh, Peyton Barber and how well he played, but there was a scenario that we didn't run him <coughs> on uh, you know, some fourth and one. There were just some, some things on fourth down. So thoughts on his performance okay. last week and some of the ways that they did and did not use him. I'm glad that Peyton got that 100-yard game. Yeah, he was, that was great. Because... I feel like in the previous three or four outings for him, he was running very well. But at the end of the game, the numbers would be like 61 yards or 70 yards. And he'd have a nice per carry, like 4.7 or something. But they weren't numbers that jumped out on you. But then it was really situational. Like in the Washington game, he basically didn't play in the fourth quarter. And we were playing quiz as your third down back, good pass protector, good pass catcher out of the backfield. And so his numbers ended up being like 61 yards or something. This one... There was more opportunity for him throughout the game, and he really took advantage of it. And uh, so he, I think personally that he has progressed to a notable degree in terms of how dynamic he is as a runner. You know, early on it was like he'll get you four yards, he'll fall forward, he'll make some yards after contact. But I thought he had some nice cuts in that last game. Right. Open field moves. Uh, so I thought it was a nice thing for him. And uh, the fourth one that I'm thinking of, was the one on our very first drive of the game, which, first of all, I totally believe was the right decision. Um, and it did end up being a shootout game. Um, I thought it was, And I thought the call was right. I, I always think if you're inches away, the quarterback sneak works 90% of the time. I still think that's true. I think right. if we ran that play 10 times, we'd make it eight or nine times. Right. They, they got us on that one. They that's got true. it. They beat us on that play. But I think the call was right. And I don't personally like on fourth and inches – taking the ball back a few yards and handing off to the running right. back. You're the basically other, making it fourth and three almost. You're just <laughs> making it harder. I mean, yeah. he can get a running start, but there's all, you see a lot of those fourth and shorts where you hand off, and because there's time for a defender to make a great play, he sometimes gets them in the backfield, and there's no shot. When you do right. a quarterback sneak, you always got a shot, right. and you generally make it. Uh, and also now the rules are the running back, if you're in a single back set and your quarterback sneaks, the running back can run up and push. And that often helps too. Right. So if you hand off, you got nobody to run up behind the running back and push if it's a right. big mess. So I think the quarterback sneak is the perfect call. If there was another fourth and one, um, I don't really recall it. I mean, I guess the touchdown that Fitz ran in was a fourth down. Right. But that was an interesting call. That was a, I wouldn't want to, st- I thought we were going to throw on fourth and one. And it looked like it was a designed run for Fitzpatrick to pause for a second and run up the middle. And then when that didn't develop, he kind of had to make it up and he ran around the end. And I thought he was going to run around there and throw. We had one guy in the end zone uh, that was a potential target there, but he thought he could get in, and he did. Uh, and Michael, uh, there's two parts to his question. One I know we're not going to be able to answer because he talks about any potential big-name free agents we can sign in the offseason. So this is where we give our disclaimer that because we work for the team, we're not really allowed to talk to individual people while they're still under contract. Under contract. Under uh, so I've, I've seen a few different questions about potential free agents, and that's why if, if you're one of the people that's asked that. I hate that we're talking that, about that in November. I know. That's, that's also very true. But uh, he said, what is the cap space going to look like next year? Dang. I, uh, I wish that I had had a little time to 
to uh, prepare because maybe next week I've, if you come back to watch we can my understanding that. is we have a decent amount of cap space but there are a couple potential moves that that if we made them could put us in a whole lot of cap space but I also I was reading that in an article I also read that there are a lot of teams with a lot of cap space and because you have to spend and I remember the exact number maybe 89 percent of of the cap in a f I think three or four year window you don't have to do it every year but by the end of that window you have to have spent that and there are a number of teams that are in position going into this offseason where they pretty much have to sign they have to spend some money they can resign their own people you don't have to bring somebody else in but there are some teams that are going to have a lot of cap space and a motivation to spend it so I think there will be a lot of competition for the really good um, <coughs> Uh, free agent. So I'll answer that question by saying, hey, let's resign Adam Humphreys and Quan. There you go. I like that. Let's start that way. All right. That's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks so much for being with us, and we'll see you back here next week.